It may not have been fun to play with, but you know, uh, get Pippen loved it because Pippen was his guy, and the and the rest were just shit. Like they would they would just it was Pippen and Jordan show, and everybody else was just shit. <laughs> Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. All right. What up, everybody? I hope everybody's doing well out there. I got Pep on the FaceTime finally hooked up properly. From our, safely from our our own locations, and uh, Pep's laughing because he had a a lot of technical difficulties again. <laughs> yeah, hey man, it's uh, you know just plugging in wires and the microphone cut out, and uh, but you know we figured it out. That's a, that's the ultimate thing is if we figure it out, we're okay. We'll learn from it. We'll look for a couple other things to maybe make life a little bit easier, but. Uh, we're still at leaps and bounds from where we were, episode one. Uh, first off, um, I, I don't know if you heard. I heard this morning, actually. Um, obviously, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the uh, military family who, uh, I guess there was a helicopter uh, off the Royal Canadian military helicopter that uh, sounds like went down off the coast of Greece somewhere. We don't have all the details, but I did hear that at least one uh, one fatality to date. Um, yeah. So um, our, our thoughts are with them today. Uh, that being said, the intro to our podcast uh, indicates that these are our opinions. And today's show <laughs> uh, is very opinionated, to say the least. It, it's a hot topic. It is a hot topic. It's been a hot topic since... Uh, 2004, and it will probably continue to be a hot topic for another couple of years. And uh, we'll explain. I'll explain what I mean by that uh, once we get into that discussion. But uh, you know, um, yeah, we have some opinions. I, you know what, we do have uh, plenty of opinions today. I did want to ask you your opinion of the draft, and I don't know if you want to start with that or if you want to talk about that later. But uh, the NFL draft happened last week, and um, it was. I guess viewership was the most it's ever been, but obviously, no, obviously. there's nothing else to watch. Correct. Right? So um, it, yeah, I'm glad it was. Uh, I, I kind of like the way it happened, but uh, I want to pick your brain really quickly. Do you think that teams maybe, uh, with all the restrictions in terms of like uh, going to actually meet players, do you think teams uh, maybe made a mistake with their draft picks just because they didn't have enough information? Um, I think teams made mistakes with their draft picks. I don't blame it on the restrictions per se. Um, I guess, I don't know what would like, I can't think of why the restrictions would have hampered. I know some pro days were probably canceled. Is that possible or adjusted because of this? I believe so. Uh, but the combine had gone through. Uh, the college season was played last year in its entirety. Um, the restrictions uh, forced people, you know, to be at home. I don't. Uh, that should be ample enough time to to look at videos, to 
um, do video interviews if you wanted to do that with specific players. Um, you know, for other than possibly a school pro day, if somebody had decided to, like, I guess uh, Chase Young, I don't think did a lot of stuff at the combine because he was waiting for his pro day. I don't know if his pro day was affected. Again, I, I can't speak to that, but I'm just trying to figure out what, if anything, would have affected or could have hampered the proper research from a GM or, or a scout's perspective, and I just don't, I don't see any. Like we, every year there are uh, a couple of wild card, a couple of head scratchers, a couple of, you know, I, why, like for example, this year, why did the Raiders take Henry Ruggs? You know, there were some issues with him in terms of his hands. Uh, you mentioned it during the draft, the Eagles drafting their wide receiver when there were a couple of other guys who were maybe better prospects on the board. You know, do you attribute that to what's going on in terms of just not enough information? Uh, no, I don't think so, because <clears throat> I think if it was a lack of information and they weren't sure or there was any question marks, you would go with the consensus safer choice so like the Giants taking that uh, lineman out of Georgia as opposed to um, the tackle from Bama or the one from Iowa you know that were arguably safer picks Um, you say if we didn't have the research or the uh, the time to really look into it they would go err on the side of the safer pick same with the Eagles Picking a wide receiver from TCU versus the multiple ones from the SEC that are still available um, seemed like you would have to argue that they had research and they had made that choice with enough substantiation to feel comfortable making it. If they didn't, I feel like they would have gone with the safer choice, and they didn't. And that's a if fair that strategy, and I think you know, I think you nailed it there. I think there there was ample enough time the the, the season had played out. Um, really, the restrictions were, I, I think, were, was the, the states locked down before Canada? I, I'm, I'm sort of losing track of the time frame, but really, we're talking about early March, correct? Uh, no, it would have been, uh, I was on vacation. It came back. We were in self-isolation from the 14th to the 28th of March and the, uh, because we were out of the country, but the more stringent stuff happened in Canada, sort of around that, and the states were after that. Like, the states were still having spring party weekends and all that kind of stuff going on while we were in self-isolation. So uh, I think Canada was ahead of the states in that sense, and so it would have been, like, end of March area. Okay, Okay, so they definitely had plenty of time to do their research and to uh, and to prepare. So anyway, I just thought we'll talk about the draft a little later. Um, you know, uh, I have a winner and a loser, or a couple of winners and a couple of losers. And of course, I'm gonna I'll give you my quick take on the Steelers at that point, and I'll ask you the same questions. But uh, I know I kind of threw this at you. We were planning on uh, chatting on us on one topic, but uh, uh, you're quite well versed in, in college football, so I'm sure you'll have uh, uh, you'll be able to answer. My question's to you anyways, but uh, uh, yeah, we've got a hot topic today. There's been so many great contributions on our Facebook page, uh, people uh, asking questions, people giving their opinions, uh, not just on our topic today, but just generally speaking. Um, so we thank you for the consistent contributions from uh, everybody, really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, your, your dad's partner, Carol, uh, 
often posting hockey clips. I love it. It's awesome. Um, so we, again, thank you very much to everybody who participates. And uh, we really, the, the goal is just to create dialogue and to talk about sports. And uh, right now that's all we can do is talk about it. <laughs> so That's right. Unless you're sitting by the TV watching Bo Bichette try and bring, bring a championship home to the Jays in the uh, MLB, the show tournament that happens. I think he's a number three seed. So go Bo Bichette. Way to be the, one of the young guns who understands video games and can really lead this team to some sort of celebration at the end of this, hopefully. I, I have a question for the uh, organizers of that. Mm. Uh, do they realize that there's a different camera angle? <laughs> Honest to God, have not seen any of it. <laughs> you can actually, uh, my favorite camera angle is it, it, there's a broadcast view where you can, the camera's behind the picture. So it, it looks like you're watching. Uh, a game on TV, but you're actually playing. It's the best. I know you're not a big fan of broadcast view in hockey, and uh, so uh, we we did it your way a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, kicked my arse five to one. Yeah, it was online. No, five to none. I don't think I scored. I don't think you scored either. But it was. Uh, you could have put it to broadcast if you wanted to. You could have done whatever you wanted. It was online, so the settings doesn't matter. You play the same <laughs> okay. game, so it was fair is fair and. This I, just I, I have no excuses. And the way we, uh, the direction that you're skating, I guess I'm just sort of learning the online. I, I've never really done online uh, gaming before where both of us are, are looking up. That angle is always the easiest to sort of play when you're playing uh, video game hockey. That Generally, was pretty yeah. cool. I like the fact that both of us could be looking at the same direction from our remote locations. That was pretty cool. That was cool. Now, you had an 80-inch screen, I think, to look at, so it was like you were right there. But <laughs> shout out to it, Curtis. It was too much. It was almost too much. Like you're, you're, there's too much to look at. If yeah. that makes any sense, oh, yeah, 100%. Your neck gets sore. Yeah. You're too close to the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good from yeah. a uh, a fan standpoint or a spectator who's watching the game. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, anyway, yada yeah. yada. Um, <laughs> you got your butt whooped, so I was happy because you kicked my yes, ass I with did. the broadcast uh, <laughs> view. Anyway, video games have been a lifeline. Uh, for myself and for buddies, I'm on video games at least once a day, uh, and it's just a way that I connect with some of my best friends. And uh, you know, we sort of stay connected in this this weird time right now. We always, you know, between f bombs and frustration and whatever while we're playing, um, you know, we actually have some conversations about how we're doing during this uh, uh, this pandemic. And um, anyway. It's been uh, it's been nice. It's been it's been nice, and it's been uh, it's been crazy. And I think we, uh, if I'm gonna, if I can just talk about one thing about the pandemic, and I'm not gonna go into any detail. It's like I'm almost gonna make a simple blanket statement. A lot more can go wrong if we go back too soon than if we stay at home. And that's all I'm gonna say on that. I know there's a lot of people who are mm-hmm. clamoring to get back to real life and. You don't think I am? Like, I, I have my salaries cut in half. I'm an active guy who's basically been told you, now you, get, you can only be active from your home. So, you know, it, it's been a real adjustment. But a lot more can go wrong if we go back too soon. So just hang in there, guys. We're almost there. You know, the, the, the curve is, there's, there's been signs that the curve's flattening. And, uh, you know, there's some, uh, there's some positive stuff coming out of the Ottawa Hospital. I mean, the numbers are still bad. People are still dying, but these are tests that were taken a couple of weeks ago. So we're seeing, 
the numbers are kind of skewed, so don't don't take it, you know, so literally when they say you know X amount of people have passed away. It's going to happen. These people were diagnosed weeks ago, so you mm-hmm. just have to like take it with a grain of salt. And it's sad and it's terrible, but the curve looks like it's flattening. So, like Quebec, I'm I'm not even going to have an opinion on it. I just everyone needs to just sort of ease their way the back in, in at We've, the right time. Exactly. We put the effort in. Why? Don't cut short. Let's finish it to the finish line, and let's make sure that we're good when we come out of it. You know, I agree with you. I see a lot of comments and people are like, you know, they're talking numbers and they're talking about how low the death rate is and all that kind of stuff. And that was brought up at the beginning of this whole thing, saying there's going to be a group of people who bring that up, saying, why did we do it? Because the numbers are so low. But the reason the numbers are low is because we're doing and taking this kind of action. So anyway, that's that. Yep. We are getting on to a topic that Pep and I are very much on opposite sides. <laughs> <laughs> what the what that's a, that's a goat sound no i know what it is okay uh, oh okay i just i got sheep in my head i'm like sheep what the oh goat oh yeah right. we're not on the opposite side of a sheep let's just put it that way right <laughs> today's conversation has been sparked by the recent number one documentary on netflix has overtaken the tiger king joe exotic has been put down <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and the yes, new king is uh, MJ's documentary, uh, "The Last Dance." And uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, people seem to enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. I enjoy watching it. Uh, I know you enjoy watching it. You know, people in the sports <laughs> like to see behind the scenes. Um, let me get your first take on the actual documentary to date well uh, well the first so the first four episodes have been awesome they've been really really good i think they're really well done i like the way they've laid the foundation by going back to you know jordan's early years and then they did they did a little piece on rodman on the last episode i don't want to be a, a spoiler you know if you haven't seen it yet maybe close your ears but um it's it's been good uh really really good you know it paints a picture a whole different side of jordan and you know i'm not look before we get in into what our way debate, let me just add in what way do, when you say it paints a different side of jordan what side is that just to clarify well for the casual fan who's been an mj fan who you know the logo and the shoes and this and that and the other you know there's this there's this halo around jordan right like he's can't do no wrong angel well we're seeing a side of him that's, you know, aggressive, that pushed his teammates, that was um, maybe a little arrogant. But again, when you're the best in the world you've, and you're, you, you live and breathe and sweat and everything is basketball, you kind of earn the right to be arrogant. But I think the casual fan is seeing a side of Jordan that they may not have known existed, if that makes any sense. Okay, okay. I, I, you, hey. It could yeah. be, you know, people, you know, buy the shoes, just kind of, you know, not follow basketball. But yeah. that comment also makes me feel way better because at the time this was happening, those were the feelings I was getting. And that's also why I'm on one spectrum and you're on the other. And so the, going back to the last dance, you know, Jordan had, Jordan had the rights to this documentary and he didn't release it until now. He actually had ownership of a lot of this footage 
And so his timing is perfect. I mean, you know, there's nothing else to watch. Um, I think uh, in terms of if there was an actual basketball season going on and the playoffs, I don't think he would have released it at this point. So the timing's good. Uh, we're all seeing uh, the greatness, really. You know, you won't, I don't know if we'll see a, a team stick together for that long amount of time. Really, it was eight years. I know he retired for two years, but it was eight years where that, you had mentioned Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen and Bill Cartwright. That group was, was together for a short period of time. And then the second coming of the Bulls was still Pippen and Jordan, but then they had brought in Rodman instead of Horace, um, you know, and Cartwright was gone. And so it was a sort of a different feel. Paxson wasn't there for the second three. So, you know, we're seeing like really a, a, a dynasty with two people. And the teams were not the same. The two three-peats were not the same. So for Jordan to be able to do it with, you know, two really different supporting casts and one partner in crime is pretty amazing. So that's what we're seeing here with this documentary, I think, is we're really seeing. And Phil was the orchestrator, right? I don't know if they do it without Phil. I, I'll be honest. I don't know if they do it without Phil. I think Jordan, that was the perfect coach for him. Phil um, extended Jordan's career by implementing the triangle offense. You know, if he would have been, kept playing for Doug, uh, Doug Collins, you know, it's like, here, give Jordan the ball and get everyone get the hell out of the way. Well, that's nice, but it, it taxes your body pretty good. So Phil had a better understanding of how to keep Jordan healthier and, and uh, extend his career. So I don't know. What, what, do you th- what do you think about that? What's your take on that? I, I attribute a lot to Phil. A lot. I, I, part of my argument in terms of when we're talking about who the greatest of all time is in the basketball NBA realm, you know, I defend LeBron James, and that's my choice. But also part of my argument is the fact that Michael had done it with guys like Phil Jackson orchestrating it, where LeBron James doesn't have that. And I'll go into more detail on that, but I totally agree that Phil Jackson is a huge part of why Michael Jordan is in this conversation and leading it more often than not. Okay, so I want to. Uh, I think for the in the issue of maybe trying to keep this, because uh, yeah. we, we can. There's a million ways to look at this, a mi- like literally a million uh, rebounding skills, defense. We could talk about it for an hour, but just sim- in simple layman's terms, what makes LeBron a great player in your eyes? LeBron so. James. Okay, so when I was getting ready for this episode, I was going through everything from. You know, as far back as I know Michael Jordan, as far back as I know LeBron James. The thing with LeBron James is what he's done with as little as he's got, comparative to Michael Jordan. So I go back to, you know, Michael Jordan and his relationship with his father and his parents, and his father was very much, you know, pushing him and driving him and and having some support system there. LeBron James didn't have a father figure. He wasn't there. His mom was 16 when he was born. You know what I mean? So that family structure lacking a bit. You know, Michael Jordan got cut from his sophomore team in high school. Okay? You get pushed from something. You have a bit of adversity. You start learning a little bit of hard work. You know, you have a father that's helping you. You know, you sort of learn something. LeBron James never had that, never got cut from anything. LeBron James came through the height of the high school basketball hype era. Like, that's when it was like, 
I remember it's huge. I remember being at Colgate. I remember seeing, you know, the, the ESPN coverage of a high school basketball game and this guy coming right out of high school into the NBA. Jordan didn't have that. Jordan improved through high school, started being fairly decent, then went to UNC. What did he do at UNC? Won a championship. Shows up into the locker room. He's got not one, two Hall of Fame college coaches on that staff in Dean Smith and Roy Williams. Not a bad start. You're a freshman, so you look up to the other players. There's other players that help you, help mold you, help keep you into, um, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, there's, they lead by example. Who did UNC have? James Worthy, an NBA Hall of Famer. Sam Perkins, who's a college basketball Hall of Famer. Those are two guys that are now leading Michael Jordan through that, along with two Hall of Fame coaches. Who's LeBron got? Nothing. Didn't go to university. Went from high school <clears throat> to the pros. Gets to the pros, you know, let's talk about coaches. You talk Phil Jackson, uh, Doug Collins, you know, and Doug Collins was, you know, fit pretty good for what Michael was when he was young. But like you said, if he was there the whole time, who knows what would happen, his longevity, his body would probably break down. Phil implements that triangle offense, saves him some time, you know, brings in, or not brings in, but they get a guy from Scottie Pippen who, you know, wins the MVP the first year that Michael Jordan's not there. So, you know, maybe you have somebody else who's a number two, but I think he's, he's right out there, two or three, but he's the guy that's there. He's underpaid as well, which means you can keep him. He's in an era where they weren't pushing or using their power from a player's perspective. They weren't using their power to say, hey, I'm going to hold out. I need more money. It took a lot longer for that to happen. And nowadays, <clears throat> it just wouldn't. If you're a number two, number three ranked player in that league and you're not getting paid accordingly, these players know that the money's only there for so long, you got to take advantage of it, and they know that they have some power. And I bet you that whole Pippen situation actually fuels some of what the players today look at and say, I don't want to get caught in the Scottie Pippen era, uh, era and situation where I'm getting seven years for $18 million when I should be worth 15 20 a season, easily. Yeah, yeah for sure. <clears throat> you know, uh, LeBron gets to, to Cleveland. His coaching staff... For the, the years he's got, he's got seven. Silas, Brendan Malone, Mike Brown, Eric Spolstra, Tyron Lue, Luke Walton, David Blatt. Like, who? Exactly. Who? Well, other than other, – there, that's an awful list, by the way. There, that is an, an awful, awful list. Awful list. But Eric Spolstra is going to be a Hall of Fame coach when he's done. He's been with the Miami Heat for uh, at least, what, 15 years now? Spectacular coach. I'm I'm – my problem with LeBron, and I'm not going to cut you off. I'm just no, no, that's fine. Here. I'm not going to go through all my LeBron, stuff. When he left Cleveland the first time, I almost, almost didn't blame him because the, the franchise was in such disarray and he had nobody and they kept bringing in. They brought in Shaq, I think, for his last year, but Shaq was well past his prime. He really had no running mate. Jordan always had a running mate throughout the, the championships. So I, I kind of would have left too. You know, you keep bringing me these has been guys like really you know if you look at lebron's first five years in the league he, nobody to play with like nobody mm-hmm. there was no second guy period you know um but like when he got to miami he should have just he should have stayed he should have stayed in miami he would have won another title with eric spolstra they would have they would have reloaded it's my it's south beach you, you're gonna bring in you're gonna bring in guys just being in miami so uh, 
that when he did that when he made that move when he left Miami again for for Cleveland, I was like, oh, cool, he's going back home. Um, but they had they had Kyrie Irving, who was really I know I'm not a big Kyrie fan, but the guy would the guy can ball. <laughs> the guy is 25, 30 points easy, and he's a point guard, so the stress is off LeBron from handling the ball. So. You know, that was my that was my issue with LeBron is when he left Miami. Um, people might think, "Oh, your your issue would be when he left for Miami." No, I wouldn't. I kind of didn't blame him. Like, what are you gonna you gonna play for? Name name his coach again in Cleveland. Name those coaches. Uh, Paul Silas, Brendan Malone, Mike Brown. Brendan Malone. Yeah. Like that's not a good cast of coaches. So you talked about him coming out of high school and really not having any coaching. It's, you make an excellent point. So. You know, anyway, continue. Sorry, well, I cut you off with the coaches. <clears throat> well, I mean, Mike, Michael Jordan, his quote was, I had some rawness to me when he came to UNC. He says, he, as in Dean Smith, shaped all of that. I learned a lot under his tutelage. It made me so much better as a professional basketball player. Like, he admit, you know, he understands that these coaches took that rawness. You know, uh, we had a good comment today from uh, our buddy Freddie. Freddie talked about uh, the fundamentals that LeBron lacks. And I'm like, 100%. I totally agree, but that's also part of my argument that he is fundamentally nowhere near Michael Jordan because of the fact that he has never been taught it. It's not that he chose not to be fundamentally sound. He just never had to. This is He's in the greatest of all time conversation in the greatest league in the world without going to college, still playing, and he was never coached properly the fundamentals and you talk about who his supporting cast is you know michael jordan doesn't run that triangle offense with phil if he doesn't have the supporting cast to run it if not you're running you know doug collins's offense the whole time where it's just like hey michael's got it let's let's get the fuck out of the way like he said and let (laughs) michael finish it you know but that only takes you so long that takes you so far um Anyway, you know, Michael won a national championship in the NCAA, so, you know, was obviously good, but that's a, you know, that's a quite the tournament as well. So when you have that sort of experience, that does help your character development, or not character, but your playing development, getting before you get to the pros and stuff too. Again, all these experiences that, you know, really helped Michael Jordan become who he ended up being as a basketball player that LeBron never had the opportunity of having. So, for, again, I use that as an argument that, you know, LeBron is this good without so many opportunities that, that Michael had. Uh, you know, whatever. We can go on to, I got, you know, the defensive things. I know Michael won the defensive player of the year. You know, I know LeBron finished second one year to uh, Mark Gasol, which, you know, it was, uh, I think, 2012-13, which is kind of a joke. Gasol wasn't the guy who should have won that. But, you know, this is from a time where uh, Spolstra, that coach, ran that, uh, what do you call him, a 1-5, where LeBron James, in multiple games that season, guarded all five positions on the court. Not at the same time, obviously, but you have a guy who's he's guarding a Dwight Howard, Gasol. Like, you just don't, Michael didn't do that. You know what I mean? Michael well, had some good steals and stuff, but Michael's not going to yeah. go down and do it. But there's a difference. Michael's 6'6", 215. LeBron's 6'8", 6'9", 250. No, that, it, it, look, it's, it, his talents were, are amazing. But, like, again, we're, we're the, the whole debate about era, 
has to come in because in 1992, that would be pretty incredible, like LeBron having a guard, Patrick Ewing in the post or Hakeem. But in 2012, you know, LeBron playing the five might mean he's guarding a guy out by the three-point line and really not not even having to, like, get down low and, and bang and so it's okay. it's a different different style. I'm not taking anything away from it. It's still, hey, you played the five for 45 minutes. That's pretty hard to do, you know, at mm-hmm. his height and his. Yeah, he's a big guy, but you, height is is. Um, if you're a skilled guy, height is more to your advantage than being a burly big guy like LeBron is. So the fact that he could do that at his size and his height is pretty remarkable. So the debate for me is the is the eras. I, there are not. It's hard for me to say one is better than the other because they didn't play against each other and the eras were different, completely different. The one player that intrigues me the most is Kobe Bryant because he is the one who really played, started his career in the Jordan era and ended his career in the LeBron era. So he's the one out of the, all the players, maybe Shaq too, but Shaq's a center. He's the one who really averaged 25, 30 points a game in both eras. So... He's the real unique guy that I look at because the Jordan and LeBron era, they're too different. They're way too different. Like, you know, uh, Jordan retired. LeBron came in the year after. So it, it's a tough debate. Uh, what, let, me, let me ask you this. Sure. What, what about Jordan's game that you, that you didn't like? Is there anything that, about his game? We've talked about LeBron's game and how he, how he taught himself. He didn't have the coaching and Jordan had the coaching and Jordan mm-hmm. had the pedigree. And I get all that and you're, you're not wrong. But what, what about Jordan's game? Is there anything about his game that you think is not as good as LeBron's? Purely, just his game. Uh, just his game, I guess, you know, I thought, I would say anything down low when it, when it comes to a, uh, a big on big sort of thing. You know, you go back and again, it was screwing around, but so I don't have game situations. But I look at like the, uh, you know, uh, Michael versus uh, Shaq, that little one on one type stuff. Like Michael just didn't have that those post moves down low where LeBron still did. He had he was effective down low more so than Michael was. Michael would get down low, but he would be coming from outside and you know exploding through. So I think from that aspect. I think LeBron had it. I th- what irritated me when I was watching Jordan, and when I watched the documentary, it fuels all that back up again because I really, I'm not a Michael Jordan fan. From a ba- like, I respect his basketball ability 100%. But when you talk about like seeing that other side of Michael Jordan, that's the the feeling I always got watching him and seeing his mannerisms from an athletic stamp, an athlete standpoint, teammate standpoint. Um, I used to get that same feeling from Dan Marino. Um, you know, you could just, it's true. It was, it's yeah, the, I know, I know, I know that now that you put it that way, I, I, I don't, I didn't feel that about Jordan, but I definitely know what you mean about Marino. <laughs> it was, you know, I don't, maybe cause I was playing at the time and, and you're kind of growing up and you're going through teammates and stuff and you, and, uh, you know, the relationships you have. always somebody else's fault and I got that feeling from Michael Jordan as well and I was just like he's not a guy that I would ever want to be on a team with like winning a championship would be great but is he a guy that I would want you know what I mean like your teammates are your brothers you know what I mean you're there they're mm-hmm. and it's just you know he's just not a guy that I would want to be associated with and even 
you know, shit, you see him and Charles are supposed to be good friends, you know? And then there's the story of, you know, before game four, that uh, Chicago Phoenix series, and they went golfing, and then, they, you know, Jordan bought uh, Charles like a $20,000 earring or something. And somebody said, what are you buying that for? And he's like, uh, he said something like, uh, I hate that fat fuck. Uh, he's like, watch, he's not going to bother me the rest of the series or something like that. Like, all this, you know, <laughs> gameplay, I guess, and like the, the stories of, you know, cheating and old lady and cards and different things. And anyway, just from a character standpoint, okay. I, was, I, was, I think I was more annoyed because he was so beloved by everybody. And I was like, this is the feeling I'm getting where I do not like this guy. I don't like him as a person. And everybody loves him. And I think that's what fueled my, like, hate for Michael Jordan. Plus, I loved Charles Barkley at the time. Still do. So, you know, when you're taking shots at, uh, you know, another big fat basketball player, when I'm the fat basketball player playing in high school, I I take that to heart. Anyway, that's where all that kind of stemmed from. But I respect him as a basketball player, obviously. Okay. And, you know, the... uh, questioning his character and all that that's that is like basically the that's from the eye test what you see your your gut instinct your sport instinct because you're an athlete i never felt it from him but i when you compare it to dan marino that makes a little bit more sense look i watched jordan uh win his first title i was in my mom's basement watching that series thinking la's got a shot at this you know they just took one from Chicago. They got to go back to LA. They lost the second one in Chicago, but losing that second one in Chicago, Chicago had to win that second game. They mm-hmm. had to. They couldn't go back to LA down 2-0. So you knew they were going to win the game too. But when they came back to LA, Byron Scott and, and James Worthy were out for the rest of the series, you know? And I posted on the Facebook page today the actual starting lineup for the Lakers that day at the rest of that series. They had no chance. Magic wasn't a scorer. Magic could get you 20 points a game if he had to, but, I mean, it's, it was hard for him to score. He wasn't a shooter. He had, uh, he, he'd go to the hoop, but he was a distributor. So when you look at Magic Johnson uh, and that year, had he had Worthy and Scott, that's a whole different series. And I might be the, the minority there, but I think that could have changed the whole dynamic of the Chicago Bulls. If they lose that series, do they blow it up? Do they send Pippen somewhere? Do they send Horace? Do they, they try to add? So that, that could have been it. But, you know, the fact of the matter is he won. And he was so dominant in that series. The year after against Portland, he started shooting threes all of a sudden. Took everybody by storm, thinking this guy's a jump shooter and a dunker. All of a sudden, he's shooting threes. How the hell are we going to stop this guy? And this was at a time where the three-point shot wasn't that, still wasn't sexy yet. And then he well, beat that's because somebody called him out, didn't they? Somebody called him out and said, oh, uh, is it, uh, can't. they said Clyde's a better shooter. And he said, Clyde's a better three-point shooter than I choose to be. And I think after he, like, worked on it or whatever. I mean, that's the stuff of legend, you know? If that's, I didn't hear that story. If that's, if that's true, that's the stuff of legend, you know? Then he beat Phoenix, and, uh, you know, he, he gave up the ball. He gave up the ball to Steve Kerr to hit a big shot. Or, sorry, it was John Paxson that hit a big shot in that, that series. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and then he retired. They could have won two more easily. No offense to Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde, but no one was beating the Bulls for the rest of the decade if he stuck around. He came back and they won again, three three titles. So, you know, and watching him on the court as a basketball purist, his the, his fluidity, his motion, his 
his footwork, his technique. He could post people up in the post, but they'd have to be guards. So that I'll give I'll give that to LeBron James. LeBron James could post a big guy or a small guy. Jordan usually would take advantage of small guys. So, but that was his job. So when we when we talk about the greatest players of all time, we you know you couldn't compare Elijah Wan to Jordan because they played different positions. For me, it's the same thing when we compare LeBron to Jordan. They're not the same player. So it's too hard to say this this guy's better than this guy. They're different players. Jordan's quicker. Jordan would have gotten by LeBron, but LeBron is very quick still and much stronger so he would have bullied his way over jordan so the comparisons the comparables are too different i would put lebron in the magic johnson category i would put him in the almost a larry bird category a guy that could do everything the point forward quote unquote pippen i'd put him in that category so you know you think about lebron the pippins the magics the guys that can score rebound defend play every position that there LeBron's the GOAT. But championships, scoring, complete domination of a game, uh, I, you have to give it to Jordan, just by, even just by titles alone. Like six titles to, to three, you know? That's where it stands right now. So that's six titles to my three. argument. Okay. So that's my argument. To, okay. You know, looking at the, you know, I put them all down. I went through everything. I kind of want to make sure that I was, you know, knew what I was talking about. Yes. Six for six finals, he's 100%. He got there six times out of 15 years. He only got there 40%. LeBron is, you know, 56% in the finals, not even in the thing. Yeah, he's three for nine. But I was looking at uh, a few other uh, statistics, I guess, and one is called the simple rating system, the SRS, which is basically it takes into account the average point differential and the strength of schedule of your opponents. So it goes into, you know, the six championships, the six finals that Jordan went into. He was favored in all of them by a long. So zero was like, you're even. Zero was like, you, you should be a, a shootout or whatever. You know, so against the Phoenix, it was actually the Bulls were minus point zero eight. So basically even. But, you know, Lakers, they were favored a 1.84. Portland, they were favored a 3.13. And then you get to Seattle, they were a 4.4, the Jazz were a 2.73, and the Jazz were a 1.5. They were favored in each one by over one, which is good, up to four and up to three. LeBron had, he was in the first one where they lost to the Spurs. They were a minus five in that, uh, that rating. They, they, they lost one where they were favored 2.3 to Dallas, but they beat Oklahoma, um, you know, with a minus 7-2, which was almost a, a push. But all the other ones, they were, uh, to the Spurs, minus 3.85. To Golden State, they were minus 5.93. They were minus 4.93 in the one that they actually won. And then they were minus 8.48 and another minus 5.2. Basically, again, for those who don't know, the further you get from zero in either a positive or a negative, if it's positive, you're favored by that much more. And these are negatives that are, he's, shit, he's almost at negative 10 for one of these series. Like, they're going into these finals, statistically, with no shot to even be there. No oh. shot to compete. No, no. The, the, specifically, the one against the Warriors, uh, that, the one where they beat the Warriors, and he was with Cleveland. That, yeah. that, that championship, for me, put him in the GOAT conversation. His performance was- during that one was phenomenal. His performance was phenomenal. They were not as talented. They were going in there with basically 
him and Kyrie, and Kyrie played out. Kyrie ended up hitting the game-winning shot. But, you know, Kevin Love, for me, is not, an, a, not a superstar. He's a star. But he's not a superstar. So the fact that they went in there with, with that cast of characters and beat, beat a juggernaut, like that, that, was, that uh, Warriors team was up and down the court and hitting threes. And, like, the way they beat them, that was really impressive. That, for me, put him in the GOAT conversation. But I still would have liked to see him stay in Miami and uh, he would have he would have had, you know, the East all, is always the, notoriously has been the weaker conference. Uh, once you get to the finals, they beat each other up. And by the time they get to the finals, the West, whoever comes out of the West, mm-hmm. outruns the East. It's always it's sort of always been like that. Um, but to watch LeBron with uh, with Wade, man, they, it, they were a great team. And, you know, I, he just he left too soon. I don't I don't understand why he left. But at the same time, I can respect him going back to where he came from and uh, ultimately bringing a championship to Cleveland, which, you know, I, I respect him for that. But I understand that, yeah, if he had stayed and they were able to keep people, um, you know, replace Chris Bosh with some uh, a mop and a bucket, I don't care. I don't know why he keeps <laughs> being in the conversation. I can't stand that guy for some reason. Chris, um, Chris Bosh is, is, was a Hall of Fame finalist this year. He didn't make it, but he's going to make it. His numbers are crazy. And if he didn't have the blood clot, he could still be playing. I'll just turn your volume down. You got a little excited there, bud. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm a I know Chris you Bosch hate fan. it. I know, I know. I'm a Chris Bosh. I like him. I think, he's, I think his game, he, he was actually, you know, you think about the time he came into the league, it's really when the, the stretch four starts really started. And he turned himself into a pretty good three-point shooter for a big guy. Why yeah, are we talking about a, Chris Bosh? Uh, just because uh, that's a good question. Are oh, you talking about <laughs> staying in Miami and whatever with the the three? I thought he was just like the the extra guy at the time. Like he wasn't. Uh, there were they could have replaced him with somebody else uh, that may have you know not needed the spotlight as much, not needed the ball as much, or been able to get sort of down and dirty. Um, which you know sometimes I found Bosh wasn't tough enough anyway this isn't a bosch podcast but let me let me ask you this if the if jerry Krause and jerry reinsdorf keep the band together for one more year the year after they won their the last dance is when the the strike shortened season so it ended up being the knicks who were just a mishmash of like i think larry johnson was on his last legs and marcus camby and they had spreewell they made the finals and ended up playing the spurs the Spurs had just drafted Tim Duncan. It was his rookie year. Um, and so it was the Spurs and the Knicks in the finals. It was a 54-game season, I think, because it was shortened. If they keep that band together, the, the, league, the, the season started late because of the lockout. So they would have had a longer time to rest. Mm. They keep those guys together. Did they win another one? The Bulls you're talking about. Yeah. Um. <sighs> You know, the, I'll give you the Spurs I, uh, to, lineup off the top of my head. Avery Johnson, Mario Ellie, Sean Elliott, the Admiral, and Tim Duncan. That was their starting five. Okay, that's a great starting five. I think the Spurs put up a shot. But I think the biggest thing is that, you know, once you start getting all those championships, now you're six. Your priorities change a little bit. So a guy like Pippen, a guy, uh, you know, who is do his own. Maybe, you know, the attitude that uh, Michael Jordan and stuff, again, I'm speculating to a point, but the way he treated his teammates and stuff, I would have to say winning overlooks all of that for the most part. But when you start winning all the time, now you're kind of like, you know what? Like, I've already won. 
I need to get paid. So whether it's I need to up my salary, whatever, or also I want to fucking enjoy when I go to work and, and I'm hanging with the people that I'm hanging with. So if that, if he can't manage all his teammates and Jordan wasn't a guy who would be like, yeah, you know what? Like, let's just take it easy. Let's start, you know, really coming together. He's either you're on my ship or you're not. And if he can't keep those guys together uh, or adjust accordingly, I think those guys start to, to say, you know, I'm kind of good. I'm going to move. I'm going to be either closer to home. I'm going to be this, whatever. But I already have the championship. So the winning doesn't, doesn't uh, excuse all the other stuff. Now you start looking for other things to make sure that you're enjoying your career. And I think at that point you start losing some of the guys. That's my feeling. And that's how um, I would assume it might have gone. When I hear Steve Kerr and Pippen, and even Rodman now, which is sort of surprising. I, I thought Rodman was going to like tear up the uh, tear up the boys, but hearing them talk about Michael, they they all they do is talk about him in a in a positive light. So, you know, I, I need to. I think when LeBron James's career is over and guys start talking about how, what it was like to play with him, and for the most part, it's been pretty positive. Some of his ex teammates have been like, "Yeah, he's he's the greatest." But why did Kyrie want to leave? You know, Kyrie's his own head case in his own in his own right, but. Uh, I'd be curious to hear some of LeBron James's teammates. I know the coaches in the league think he's the absolute greatest in the in the world, and uh, and the goat. You know, guys who coach against him, they are quick to say LeBron James is the absolute greatest player they've ever seen. So, you know, when his career is over, I think is when we'll really be able to sit down and and have these secondhand accounts of uh, of his greatness. What I, from a basketball purist standpoint, my, my issue, I've already explained what I like about Jordan, what I loved about his game. Mm-hmm. My, what, I, what I like and dislike about LeBron is really simple. And, and you brought up all the points. It might have been just coaching, but watching LeBron play defense is difficult. And it looks like sometimes it's a combination of don't know where to look, where to stand, and don't give a shit about my guy right now. It's hard to tell whether he's just sort of pacing himself because he does play a lot of minutes, even at this uh, extended age of his. So it's really hard to tell. But there's for the last six, seven years, it's been difficult to watch him play defense because he takes a lot of a lot of plays off. And since he's come to the Lakers, he's been not a very good defender. Um, so it's it's tough. It's tough to watch that from a standpoint of like you're the leader of the ship. The, how hard you play is how hard other guys are going to play. You know, and he was on a team last year where there was a lot of young, impressionable guys. You know, you look at Kuzma and Ingram and Ball. Ingram and Ball are playing all-star level out in New Orleans. Kuzma's gone down the shitter. Is that LeBron James's influence? He's, he's the greatest player, no doubt. But is he the greatest leader? Kuzma's picked up so many bad habits in, in two years. Ingram is an all-star all of a sudden. You know, there's, so the, these issues of leadership and pushing guys. I mean, there are videos of LeBron at practice playing music and dancing. And again, a lot of what you're talking about, having a good time coming to work. But are you pushing your guys? We don't see all that. But the clips that I see, I don't know if I want that guy leading my young group of guys. He's not supposed to. You're supposed to have a coach that does that. You're supposed to have a Phil Jackson that does that. Well, a guy like LeBron is like, you know, how did Wayne Gretzky do when he was coaching? Not great because you're gifted and you know you just do it naturally where that's all LeBron's ever known. Michael has been developed that way. He's got a lot of rawness. That's fine. But like you said, it's been developed properly from some very, very 
high-quality coaches from the time he got to university and then into the pros. That's where you learn that kind of stuff. LeBron has never had that. So what's he supposed to be doing? It's the same thing. It's Wayne Gretzky trying to, to teach you to be as good as he is. He doesn't know how he does it. He just does it. it it's not about teaching. It's just about leading. It's just about being, but again, being the guy, taking it seriously, going in there. If you look at Steph Curry, he goes in, he shoots 1,000 shots a, a practice. And you look at Clay Thompson, he's, all of a sudden he's an all-star. You look at some of these other guys that Quinn Cook was a nobody for a long time, all of a sudden he's hitting threes. So it's, it's how you lead. Like, I don't think Jordan took guys and said, hey, this is how you do a jab step. I think he just did it and expected you to work as hard as he did. It's yeah. more about hard work. He than says your jab stuff. step is a piece of shit. You're an asshole. You suck and make Kwame Brown cry every freaking time instead of mentoring the guy. You want to talk about a leader? You know, Kwame Brown oh, was supposed to come Wizards? in here. He was supposed to go in and he's like, oh, I'm going to be mentored by Michael Jordan. No, what he no, did, he's no. been, he was berated and bullied every single time till he's almost in tears every practice until he's like, you know what? I'm cool with basketball. I'm out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, no. it's, it comes from uh, the, the top. And if that's LeBron did that this whole career of like, Hey, I'm the best player in the world right now. And I still, I never been taught otherwise. I always have fun. I always do this. So he thinks that's, you know, you keep guys loose, whatever. You don't, he's never been taught. He's never had any other example. So you can't hold that against him. I'll give you that. I will give you that. I will say this about Jordan's uh, la- last couple of years in Washington. He still was a good scorer, but he, just, he wasn't the same player. Certainly didn't play above the rim. He was a jump shooter. Um, but he did have a couple of 50-point games still. I think he had a 60-point game with the Wizards. But he didn't. How do I say this? He didn't bow out gracefully or as gracefully as I would have liked him to bow out. I think he he resented the fact that he couldn't play at the level he was playing anymore. Mm-hmm. And when he retired, he kind of took jabs at guys even after retirement, like current players. He's, he's a terrible owner. Mm-hmm. The, the Hornets franchise is a mess from, the, from a, a salary cap standpoint. They're always... Uh, number one and number two in terms of the worst. He signed some guys for Nick Batoon. He, he, he had one good year in, in Portland, and he signed them for a gazillion dollars. They're up against the cap. They couldn't even afford to keep Kemba Walker if they wanted to. You know, he, he overpays. He, he's not a good judge of talent because he expects guys to be like him, and they're not you. Yeah, You have to let guys be them. So guys come to Charlotte, and then they disappear within a couple of years. So he's, he's been a terrible owner. If you look at what he's done for the actual game of basketball after retirement, he's been he's been non-existent apart from his brand, his shoes, and his clothing. I mean, Kobe did more in in a year and a half or two years of retirement than Jordan, I think, has done his whole his whole post career. Hundred percent in terms of camps and being being a a, a face uh, on TV for the league. Have you heard of Jordan at all talking at the, all about the league? No, no, God no. The only time I ever see Jordan is if he does a camp and he shows up and all he's doing is like beating kids. Try, exactly, schooling kids. Some and you, okay, thanks, Mike. Like, no, a hundred percent. I want you. I want everyone who's listening to be crystal clear with my opinion. I don't necessarily like Jordan. I just think he was the greatest player that I saw playing. Uh, and, and it stretched out through my Laker years and through the 90s when I was an uh, impressionable teenager. But I don't, I don't necessarily like him. You know, in fact, I, I kind of like LeBron James a little more, eh, because he's a Laker now. But, uh, but you know, I li- I've always liked LeBron James. I didn't think he was a jerk. 
Um, he's made some of the greatest dunks I've ever seen, specifically the one against the Celtics off an alley-oop when he basically <laughs> murdered Jason Terry down underneath the basket. So, I yep. mean, the, he's in the conversation, but his body of work isn't finished yet, so it's still up for grabs. But if you were to ask me today who the GOAT is, for me it has to be Jordan simply because of the titles and the potential for more titles and his early on his early years he made the dunk sexy he was an innovator he changed the whole way the game is played and it has it's changed a little bit since he retired but not a ton it's still over the rim he didn't see that kind of basketball so what has changed is how guys play defense and you know jordan got beat up pretty good by some teams in uh, new york and detroit but that's, again, would LeBron be able to handle himself? I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would have been able to adjust with his size. In fact, he probably would have dished out the punishment if it was legal. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the jury's still out. He's still got some years to play. You know, ask me in a couple of years. If he gets a title in L.A., there'll be three different teams. That's remarkable. So. All right. Well, I yeah. will leave you on my final thought. And then we are going to wrap this up for now. But we will reconvene in a couple of years. <laughs> Career points, LeBron ahead of Jordan. Playoff points, LeBron ahead of Michael Jordan. Final points, LeBron ahead of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, it's, it, it is a culmination. I know we talk about the Mount Rushmore of sports and Michael Jordan's head being on there. If I'm an NBA person, it's not just the basketball that should get you up on that thing. And I think that's where LeBron differs. You know, you talk about doing stuff for the game. LeBron, uh, Michael's responsibility for the game, he changed a lot while he was playing, but there is that post-playing responsibility that should have come with that, and he doesn't bring that. Kobe did. I think LeBron will and is very active outside of basketball from a, a world leadership type thing of t- leading by example. You know, he's done nothing but be a family man, a father, a husband, a philanthropist, you know, building schools and sending kids for free and, and very active, you know, in all that other stuff that really makes an athlete whole and say that you have a certain power and he's using that for good. You know, Michael Jordan, I always found it was, you know, reluctant for even if he signed things, it was like he wasn't even looking at the kid or he wasn't whatever. Like there's just little things, all these little mannerisms. If Draymond Green had Michael Jordan's talent, I think that's where I see Michael Jordan being. You know what I mean? Like that kind of maybe. Anyway, I, there's a lot of similarities there, and I can't stand either of them. He was, better, he was better in the media than Draymond is. Draymond, we're in an era now where guys can say whatever they want. Yeah. Jordan, when he was in front of a microphone where it was like, oh, the, micro, the mics are on me, he, was, uh, he, was always, he always said the right things, that's for sure. But I, I, see the, I get what you're saying with that comparison. Anyway, so that's my thing. I hope. I hope LeBron James wins you a championship in LA Woo! so yes. that we can, you know, start to solidify that. But for me, the championships are off the table. That's there's a lot of luck involved in that kind of thing. You know, I think of Tom Brady and his rings, and I think of a guy like Mahomes and his skill set or something. And I say, who would I want to have? You know, I think Mahomes brings more to the table than than a Brady because of systems and all that kind of stuff. Again, that's a talk for another time, but the championships for me are not the end all be all where it's, it is for some people. And that's my thought process. Do you have any last comments before we go out to our song that is dedicated to Michael Jordan? Yeah. Uh, we got to start talking about Kobe in this conversation the next time we talk about it. And I, I'll, I'll give you my reasons uh, at another time, but 
you know, 20 years. How many guys play their last home game and score 60 points, including like the last eight in a row, uh, off, coming off an Achilles injury that sidelined him for a whole year? It's pretty crazy, actually. That the more I read about Kobe's accomplishments, uh, the crazier it is. Like, it's just... What, what he did, his, la- his last uh, couple of championships was remarkable. No, off- no offense no. to Pau Gasol, but he- Pau Gasol is... Again, he's like, he's like a, a love. I don't know if he's a superstar or a star. He's kind of like right in between. That's all he had. Yeah, Kobe's got to be in the conversation. I, I respect that 100% as well. Um, and he, you know, again, he's almost a... Anyway, he's a great conversation or a great person to put in the conversation. You know, I know when we're going to start getting some of these type of documentaries. You know, I know Magic Johnson's supposed to have one, which would be great. Kobe will have one at some point. LeBron will have one. And I don't know about you, but every single time I watch those documentaries, no matter who the player is, whether I cheered for them or not, I end up leaving saying, wow, that guy is awesome. The Last Dance, total opposite. I can't stand <laughs> Michael Jordan, and all it does is fuel my, my hate for him. So, uh, but I'm still watching. You know, I could still respect it, but I, do, I started to respect Pippen and Rodman more, all that kind of stuff. But Michael Jordan, I still have a hate on. And for that reason, we are going out to this song. Thank you, Dennis Leary. All right. <laughs> Folks, I'd like to sing a song about the American dream. About me about you, about the way our American hearts beat way down in the bottom of our chests, about that special feeling we get in the cockles of our hearts, maybe below the cockles, maybe in the subcockle area, maybe in the liver, maybe in the kidneys, maybe even in the colon, we don't know. I'm just a regular Joe with a regular Regular job. I'm your average white suburbanite slob. I like football and porno and books about war. I got an average house with a nice hardwood floor. My wife and my job, my kids and my car. My feet on my table and a Cuban cigar. To keep a man like me interested Oh no No way uh-uh. No, I've gotta go out and have fun At someone else's expense Oh 